The ship has sailed on Colorado Wolf Reintroduction. So now what? Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 31 of Campfire Conversations. Thanks for being here today. We've got an interesting topic to get into with Howell for Wildlife's Charles Whitwam and lifelong Colorado resident and founder of the Minturn Angler, Justin Nolan. Uh, we'll go ahead and get things rolling here, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. So, Charles, you've been on the show before. You are the founder of one of my favorite um, advocacy organizations for the hunter and conservationist, and that is Howl for Wildlife. Uh, Justin, this is your first time on the show. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and, and what you do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Justin Nolan. Um, I'm here in Denver, Colorado. Um, I uh, have a few fly shops in fly fishing guide service called Minturn Anglers here in Colorado, but um, I'm an avid bow hunter. Um, and over the last few years with all the issues facing our state, I found myself thrusted in the, in the center of making sure our voices are heard as hunters and anglers and protecting my passion. And I know we're going to talk about wolves today, which as a Coloradan, what went through your mind when they said we're going to introduce a ballot initiative and basically let the general population, i.e. all of the hippies in Denver and Boulder, all the wokesters, decide on whether or not to reintroduce wolves? Why even have paid wildlife biologists? Well, that's a, that's a very interesting issue. I, I do want to say and take a step back for one second and say I am involved with a lot of organizations like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Colorado Bow Hunters Association. Um, but these are my views uh, here. I don't necessarily speak for those organizations, um, but I am actively involved here. And I was joking the other day, of, I wish I could pull the veil over my head again and just go back to keeping my head in the sand. But that's, that's not going to help advance our causes. Um, and, I, and I would say, I'll credit my wife here. She's been really good at helping me see the broader perspective and i i know it's really easy to victimize say it's the hippies and everyone in denver and the more people i talk to i, I just don't think they understand yeah. uh, and when you do have a conversation with the general public what they think they voted for is not what's happening um and to get back to your question um ballot box biology is at the epicenter here and it's just wrong for colorado um and how I feel about it, I think Colorado Parks and Wildlife has a 120-year track record of fantastic wildlife management. Um, I know the folks at Colorado Parks and Wildlife care deeply about our wildlife. They care about our hunting heritage. Um, but they're just, in my opinion, they're just continually being stripped of any management tools. Um, there's political pressures from the outside, whether it's the advocacy group, um, who quite frankly, I think feel because they have a favorable governor and first gentleman um, who has made it his platform to push advocacy agendas. I believe they think sportsmen are disorganized, asleep at the wheel, and that they can just get this through. Um, I think the playbook was set with our, you know, God, don't quote me on this, but 20 years ago when the spring bear hunts were taken from us, I think that laid the foundation that Colorado can be the ground zero or a blank canvas for these 
advocacy groups to try and push their agendas. Um, if there's anything that I'm encouraged by, um, I think sportsmen are waking up and realizing we have a voice and that we can make a difference. Um, so let's get back to Proposition 114. Um, well, I do want to interrupt you for one second before you talk about Prop 114. So when that ballot initiative was proposed, I reached out to Colorado Parks and Wildlife and tried to get their public comment on it. And the uh, the PR lady was like, well, we can't really comment on it. And I said to her, okay, so that's a gag order. She goes, no, it's not a gag order. We just can't comment. I said, that's a gag order. And she wouldn't admit it that whether it was from the governor or the the head of your fish and game department, um, somebody told them not to talk about it because the game wardens, you know, they couldn't comment. Biologists couldn't comment. And those people knew what the answer was. And and they Colorado Parks and Wildlife, this had come up before historically, and they publicly said, we are opposed to that. And then this time around, they said, you're not allowed to comment because you will say the truth. So they said, gag order. Well, that's the, well, that's the strategy. And, and I want to be careful. And, and of course, I mean, I, I believe there's gag orders on a lot of things. Um, we had a mountain lion bill last year that was pushed forward by a special interest caucus and a senator state senator out of boulder um there was no sound wildlife management in that and we tried to get cpw to comment on that bill and they couldn't and i believe that was a gag order but right. that's the strategy with this ballot initiative uh when it does go to a ballot like that um it is my understanding that uh, in interest of fairness and the democratic process government officials are not allowed to comment um so you didn't really have even the governor's office or even elected officials taking a stance on the ballot initiative and i believe that's the strategy because mm -hmm. it removes the experts from the decision making process right um well, let's be honest here i mean in 2016 colorado parks and wildlife released their wolf management plan that at that time said we don't believe introduction is necessary but we will manage the species when and if they do migrate. Fast forward to 2021, and we have wolves documented and confirmed in Colorado. Right. Um, I think the experts had a plan in place, and that was not acceptable to the advocacy group. So they pushed hard canvassing for signatures to get on the ballot because they knew the experts would be would have their hands tied behind their back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and. Uh... Charles, I, I became aware of what's going on, why we're talking about this again. I mean, because it's it's old news now that it passed by like one percentage point. Coloradans decided, yes, we will have wolves. So now we're at the point where, okay, what is the plan for reintroduction? Because it's happening and uh, and Hal has been very, uh, you know, on the forefront as far as making lots of posts and calls to action on uh, the current situation. And Charles, I'll let you kind of explain why it's so important that we pass the management plan that is in place or has been proposed right now uh, instead of, you know, this some, spring or summer when things might change. Yeah, I, some of what I could say, I don't know if I should talk about everything, but okay. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I know, I know. but So right now, I don't think there's anybody on the face of the earth that says this is the perfect plan. This is the perfect scenario. But you need to be aware that if this plan does not go through, then the plan might get scratched and we might start over. 
And the one that gets replaced, um, currently, right now, the only other plan that's out there is a plan, I, I think, that's been submitted by Guardians of Wildlife or something. But Oh, great. Yeah. To, to, to break it down, there's no lethal take of wolves. There's no management of wolves. There's nothing in there that protects livestock owners. There's nothing in there that protects um, or adjust the management plan for ungulate populations, any of that. Okay. So, so right now the plan that they have is it includes all of those activities or features or, so common, sense. or whatnot. common sense. Yeah. yeah. To, to the extent of, well, let me get this straight. So the, the, the argument of should wolves be there or should they not, or, you know, People that they kill all the wolves. It it doesn't exist anymore, and people keep wanting to argue with me for some reason about that. Like I can do something about that. Like, well, that's yeah. not that's not where we are. We're either going to get involved and have the best possible outcome, or we're not going to get involved, and we're going to have possibly the worst possible outcome. Mm-hmm. So within this plan, there and and Justin can speak to this. There's different phases. Phase four is a very important aspect of this management plan phase four includes the management of wolves right now the other things we're pushing for are you know is there going to be compensation for livestock owners or compensation for people who have you know lost their pets or um you know education on hey when you're camping and hunting or doing any kind of recreational activity in the wilderness now you're going to have a bunch of wolves running around and that number is going to grow so there's a bunch of different points we're trying to get people involved in um, to give comment, to write in, to be there at the commission meetings for testimony, and hopefully to solidify and get this thing passed. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like a ballot box, wildlife management. No, that's not a good thing, but it happened. We can't change it, but here's what we can do now. Yeah. You know, so for me, I called Justin first, I think a few people, I, I heard a podcast and I just, I wasn't seeing um, a way to really get involved. And so that's when I started digging into it. So I've met with, now I've been in meetings with a lot of the organizations that, that Justin has mentioned and um, just to, just to learn what's going on and then ask them like, Hey, here's what we do. How can we help? And so a lot of this information that, you see on our website and on our actions, this is coming from the many people who are involved and the many people who are going to be affected from hunters to outfitters to, you know, just recreation, recreationalists. I don't know Mm -hmm. what the word is, but everybody that's going to kind of be involved who I feel like has common sense and who's, and, you know, has, who who follows the North American, you know, model of, of wildlife conservation. So obviously that's the angle we go in at it from. And, um, and hopefully we get a bunch of people involved, which it looks like, it looks like we are. Well, the first thing I I would say to uh, anyone whose pet got eaten was which way did you vote? Did you vote for the wolves? (laughs) I'm going to have a hard time finding an ounce of sympathy for you. Uh, if Fido got snatched, you know, sorry, your own ignorance. Here you are. Um, I do want to say though, and the irony behind the whole thing for me, and then I'll let Justin comment is that these people that vote that way, they they claim to love wildlife, yet Colorado, and I think the number, and Justin, you might have the actual hard number here, but I think last time I read in 2021, 
Colorado Parks and Wildlife generated like $78 million or something from non-resident hunting license fees. Well, you have the most robust elk herd in the United States, and now you're going to dump wolves in there. All of the non-residents like me who want to come to Colorado and buy an over-the-counter tag, that's going to stop if your elk herd gets cut in half, which inevitably I'm, is going to happen. Well, and I, I'd like to add something real quick, and I'll get back to the to the elk herds. I think that's a very good point about our elk herds. We just had a whole commission meeting on our elk herds and objectives. Um, one thing that really annoys me um, from the advocacy group, and I, I feel like we as hunters fall into that trap, is that I want to take back the narrative that the advocacy groups who voted for this speak for everyone. Um, I, I think they've done a really good job of viewing the National Geographic YouTube video narrative that wolves are the greatest thing in the world, and they're going to solve all our ecological problems. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think the people that, I think there's a lot of folks that voted yes for this um, that are not bad people, that just didn't understand. And I'm hoping that we as hunters and anglers can appeal to that base and help inform them in the future. But we as hunters and anglers have to show up. We have to speak out. And we have to do a better job of controlling that narrative because with Proposition 114 two, three years ago, we got our butt kicked on the media side of things and on the on getting our message out. Um, the vote was so narrow. And I think with just a little bit of extra work, uh, we could have swayed that vote. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll get off that horse. I don't really want to beat that death. But I, I do. I think there's a lot of talking to people, folks that voted yes for this because they didn't fully understand the plan and what they were told and the way the proposition was written. I don't think they understood. They didn't understand that this Proposition 114 is an un, unfunded ballot measure and the funding is not there and will come from their tax dollars. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but your question about Elkhurst, we just had our commission meeting and um, there's a lot of in the southwest corner of Colorado. Um, one of the largest elk herds in the state, they're under management objectives. We have had, we don't, well, unfortunately, Parks and Wildlife won't say why. I, I believe a lot of that has to do with spring bear and not having a spring bear hunt and predation on calves, but we are under objective management and all of those units. So we're here trying to figure out a problem that why we're under objective with our elk herd, we're eliminating opportunity in cow harvest down there which is in a sense reducing tag numbers and we're also tackling an issue right now of allocation sportsmen are divided in the state right now we are um and i won't i i won't sit on one side of the fence here but what i'll say is we have an ongoing issue on are we going to reduce allocation for non-resident tags that is being taken up by the commission um, are we going to eliminate uh, over-the-counter archery elk tags that is being presented to the commission with a most likely going to be changed for the 2024 season? And we're talking about all these tag reductions because of hunter pressure and elk um, objectives. And I'm over here saying, you know, I don't want to say one way or another. I don't want to divide sportsmen. I, I think you know, that we have a time to talk and discuss this. But right now, in our face right now, is a greater threat than reduction to non-resident tags or 
reduction to OCC tags, wolves are going to be the biggest issue. If we do not have lethal management and the tools that CPW needs to manage these animals, our ungulate herds are going to suffer. We're going to see a crack, just like we saw in the Northern Rockies. And the reduction in elk tags will be far greater than anything we do from an allocation standpoint, non-resident versus resident. And so I believe that's the greatest threat. Um, and how do they recoup that money? That if they're, they're Because literally, we're talking about millions, tens of millions of dollars that they're going to lose in revenue they generated. Don't. They don't. And that's yeah. the... They don't, and that's the scary. So tags are going to go up. That's the bottom line. I just was talking to a guy from Hunting Fool uh, about Wyoming changing their their stuff from like moose, bighorn, uh, mountain goat. There's five species. They went from seventy five twenty five to ninety ten. Well, okay, now the tags have to become more expensive because you just took fifteen percent of the non resident pool away, and the residents pay what fifty a hundred dollars. And meanwhile, I went to Wyoming this this past September. $707 for me. So the tags are going to, it's going to, you know, it's probably going to affect the non-residents more, more so than, than Colorado residents. But, you know, the problem we're seeing with Proposition 114, and this is a convoluted problem that I think, you know, burns into everything. Um, it's an unfunded mandate and we don't have transparency. We can't get through numbers whether that's a gag order, and I'm speaking for me when I say this, I don't mm -hmm. represent anyone, but you know, whether that's a gag order or they don't want the true numbers to be exposed, this is unsustainable. And where's that money going to come? Luckily in 20, I want to say 2020, there was a, uh, an act passed, um, directly sportsmen and wildlife advocates both um, testified in support of this bill. Um, and it was that, Sportsmen's dollars from elk, deer, and big game licenses could not support wolf reintroduction. So those funds from CPW are on paper excluded. Um, and $1.1 million has been appropriated from the general fund. Um, but that's grossly underfunded. I mean, yeah. to think that we're going to support wolves on the ground with $1.1 million and then you have the advocacy groups and the NGOs say, oh, well, we're going to donate something like $6,000 has been raised <laughs> from all the NGOs that want these on the ground. And I'll put my conspiracy theory hat here on for a minute, and I like to do it. It's fun. But I personally believe that the goal is to blow the agency up, to have it be underfunded, to not have wolves managed, to have the cost skyrocket. Um, I believe that this bigger issue is the North American model of wildlife conservation is under attack. And yeah. they believe that CPW, you hear it in the meeting, the narrative is that, oh, CPW is run by hunters and all they do is support hunters. And um, Good. I, yeah, I just think they... <laughs> it should think, be run by the people that have skin in the game, right? That's the bottom line. <laughs> and, and Charlie, I think you've seen this with all your initiatives in Washington and everything that going on over there he could speak more than i can but we are commissioned and we can get that our commission is mandated by statute to have representatives from the sportsmen and agricultural community so that we have a voice in decisions when managing our wildlife and how they affect outfitters and and the ag producers in this state we lose that 
And I wonder what could happen. You know, if we don't have that by statute, have we just created a blank canvas for this governor to appoint his circle and to affect the change that they want? And and, and we're in for a world of hurt if that happens. So, mm. uh, you know, well, I do support our parks and wildlife. Well, isn't that the problem, Charles? Is so we need this past like as is now because we were talking on the phone earlier and you said like maybe three to four of the uh commission chair spots are going to open up and then the i mean the writing's on the wall they're going to be filled with people that lean more on the anti-hunting side of things so no, they're not gonna they don't you know if it gets to that point then the new proposal theoretically could have you know be totally void of wolf management at all just let the wolves run wild and do their thing you know, well, we know 100 percent. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And he brought up Washington. Listen, the governor of Washington is not a friend of hunting, and that governor has appointed commissioners that are not friends of hunting, and that it's an insane uphill battle. Um, there's there's litigation involved now, but they do have a mandate, and they're not following their mandate. But they are. This whole thing has become politicized. They're letting their personal feelings dictate. Um, what their jobs are and their and, and it doesn't matter what the mandate is. They'll say things like, well, I don't think hunting bear is ethical. Well, that's cool, but your you know your mandate says to maximize recreational fishing and hunting opportunities for all in Washington. So who cares? you know, does the science say the population is there? Yes, that's your mandate. Support that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's just what's happening and it's not, you know, for the for the people who say support the science, I, I encourage you to support the science. Right, right. Support the science until it doesn't suit my narrative, and then I'm gonna yeah. just do it with emotions. Yeah, um, we can't so, let it can't let it get to that point. So where so uh, where where do we sit right now? Like when I don't know if there's a meeting or a deadline as far as trying to get this passed as is. You know, the plan that includes wolf management in phase four. I think is what you alluded to. Uh, which, you know, and we saw it with the, uh, with Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, they got to, I think it was a hundred breeding pairs in each state. And then they were supposed to turn it, the feds were supposed to turn it control over to the States for their own management. That crap's been locked up in court off and on for the better part of 25 years. Currently those three States do have wolf seasons, but you look at like, uh, the great lake States, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota, and they're getting their asses kicked. Their white-tailed deer herds are getting decimated, and they have no plan. They can't do anything about it. Wolves are protected. We keep trying to get them taken off, um, and then it, it gets past. Yeah, we're gonna have wolf season, and then no, it gets it gets you know some circuit court judge shoots it down again. Um, we can't have that happen in Colorado. I mean, it, like you said, it's beating a dead horse at this point to talk about whether or not the wolves should should be there or they shouldn't. They're coming. What do we do about it? So where do we sit now, um, Justin? So I think, you know, especially for anyone listening, I, I, the questions we always get is, I don't know, should I support this plan? Should I not support this plan? What do I do? Well, we are, we've already got two meetings down. Uh, we have a virtual meeting. Uh, we have three meetings left in the engagement process. And for anyone that can't attend a meeting or... Uh, Liz, if you're, let's say you're a non-resident hunter and you're concerned and you want your voice heard, there's a couple ways. Uh, first, House of Wildlife, I'll let Charlie speak to that on the Action Center. Um, but the CPW is looking for comments. They want comments. We have until the 22nd 
of February, uh, engagedpw.com. Um, you can comment on the Wolf Plan. Where we stand, on December 9th, the draft management plan was released. Um, that is going through a series of public commenting process and will be voted, should be voted on um, for a final draft uh, by May. Um, a couple of the points that really hit home here, while there are holes, and I can um, tell you what we need the commission to consider, um, things that there's a couple of things in there that I think are crucial. Um, will they get sued and will they try to jam this up in court? Maybe, but um, probably, but we'll have some things in the plan. First and foremost is peaceful management. Um, right now, the provision in the draft management plan allow CPW um, to enforce lethal management. Um, I think that this has been a compromise for both sides. Um, and it, it calls for ag producers and affected parties to try non-lethal measures first, um, but does allow for lethal measures. Um, it also calls for a management objective, I believe, of 150, 250 wolves. Advocacy groups are furious about this number. They hate this number. If you look at Yellowstone, I think the objective manage, management objective is 150 wolves there. Um, you're hearing already in testimony, they want 1,000 to 2,500 wolves on the ground. It, it absolutely makes no sense. Um, Why do you imagine? I know. So I, these are things I think the commission needs to hear our support. Um, and, and lastly, I think the biggest hot button that plays into lethal management um, is the inclusion of phase four. Phase four is uh, when I, you know, if I was an advocate, I would be looking at this as a success. I would be, I would be thrilled, but therein lies the problem with the ESA and how it's been, excuse my language, how it's been hijacked. Um, recovery is not a success to them. Recovery, everything needs to be permanently preserved on the endangered list. But right. in, in phase four, we return wolves to a manageable game species. That definition of game species is what causes a lot of controversy in the meeting. Um, advocates have their hands up in arms and they cannot accept phase four. Um, me as a sportsman and someone that puts a lot of faith and trust in the wildlife biologists of CPW, we have to manage these species. Why should they be put on a pedestal free of any objective management. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we unequivocally need to support phase four. Um, you're getting a lot of pushback from the opposition that says, oh, well, the ballot initiative, that's not what the voters voted for. That's not what it called for. Well, technically it was in the ballot initiative, but just speak to this for a minute. You know, the way Colorado, uh, we even had a ballot initiative to try and correct this problem this year is that language in the ballot is buried in a prospectus that's mailed out. When you go to vote, it's not even written on the ballot. Half mm -hmm. the people don't even know what's in a proposition. And uh, the there is a statute number that was listed, and uh, it was buried in there that they, would, they are not to be classified as a game species. But I would argue that phase four, and I would like to commend CPW, the stakeholder advisory group and the technical working group for being forward-thinking there's going to come a time when we're past the, uh, Proposition 114. How many years is that? I don't know. But we can't always live in this bubble within the 
mandate of Proposition 114. Time will pass. These wolves will grow, and we have to have a plan. And I think phase four is brilliant. It, it, it moves beyond Proposition 114. And rather than being reactive, it allows this commission and CPW to think proactively of what happens next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Charles, what uh, talk about the the action alerts and and where folks can like for and, and some people listening to this or they might have already checked out. You know, well, I'm not from Colorado. Why should I give a crap? Well, you know, Charles isn't from Colorado either, and yet here he is. He's still in his robe. Because he stayed up all night working on an action alert for something going on in Oregon. So <laughs> we all need to be invested in each other's states. I like to hunt in your states, you know. Well, I'm not coming to California anytime. No offense, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> uh, but I like to hunt in other states. And and I'm, I welcome other hunters to come to Texas, you know. I'm, come down here and experience a, a feral hog hunt, whatever it is. Um, but but the, the point is, what happens in one place is it's so easy for the the anti-hunting, the animal rights advocates to see, well, we had success here. Let's try to implement that over here. And, you know, we're seeing it with the mountain lion thing in my home state, which I never in a million years thought uh, we would have to do with the Californication of wildlife here, but we are. So it does, it, it bleeds. I think it starts on the coast and it just bleeds into middle America. Um, but anyway, Charles, I'll let you, uh, you take it from here. You said it. You said it right there. I mean, you're you're exactly right. So if you are in Colorado, God, I hope you're involved. Um, if you're outside of Colorado, yes, get involved. Because how many non-residents hunt in Colorado? Let's just start with that. A lot. Mm. So this is important to you just for being a hunter who travels out of state and goes to Colorado. Or maybe someday you want to hunt in Colorado. That's why you should be engaged. But also... I always like to look at these bills as, you know, if we get something passed, that's, I won't consider this pro hunting, but if we have a pro hunting bill or if we can put a management in place, management plan in place like this, which, you know, is, is, is better than the alternative, I guess. Um, what that does is it causes the anti-hunting organizations to, it makes it more difficult for them to accomplish what they want to accomplish. They then have to spend more resources and more time and put up more effort to complete what they're going to do. So the better complete what they want to do. So the better defense, the better foundation we build, it makes it harder for them. So, you know, like you said, that's why people from, from other states should get involved as well. And you, and anybody from any state can comment on this. And, and plus do the wolves know the borders of Colorado? Right. I, I don't think they do. That's so a great point. They're going to go into Arizona. We, we already know this. So they're going to go in Arizona and then they're going to, then we're going to have hybrid wolves with the Mexican wolves. And, you know, that's going to be insane. They're going to go to New Mexico. They're going to go whatever state, you know, whatever state they border, it's going to go into that state. So you should look at this as your battle as well, especially if you're in a bordering state of Colorado. Um, so you can, you can send comments through our action center and that goes to the full commission. I think the DNR direct, everybody that's involved basically. Um, and then we have the, on our calendar, if you live in Colorado or if you're traveling in Colorado, you can go and be involved in the commission meetings. Um, you can RSVP for those on our calendar. And what that does is just give you, it gives you the information, the when, where, and how 
to get to the place that you need to be. And you'll also get talking points. Um, and then if there's anything that changes or whatever reminders, we send you those reminders. Um, so that's why we have the RSVP deal going on. However, on the 16th of February, this is really important. This is the Zoom. They're having a commission meeting, but you can register to comment by Zoom. So anybody can do this. Um, we haven't really started pushing this one specifically because it's yeah, it's still a few weeks out and we got a little bit of time to do that. But that one's going to be really important because all of our voices can come to that meeting, essentially. Mm-hmm. If I can interject there, um, I would yeah. encourage anyone um, registration for the for the um, 16th meeting, I believe, is open. Um, I'll double yeah. check on that. That is going to be it's going to be very competitive to get on there. So I would love to encourage any pre-registration um, if you plan on speaking at the virtual yeah. meeting. No, you are right. There is a there is also a deadline for that. So um, we'll probably start pushing that pretty heavy in the next two days. So yeah, get on there. You can pre-register. Follow the directions when you get your when you get your uh, email after you RSVP. And then um, Justin and I were talking. Uh, we saw a we saw an infographic from one of the Wolf Advocacy Groups and. I think this was before the what what town was it? Gunnison. Gunnison. So before the Gunnison meeting, they had an infographic and it, it was basically like, hey, come meet us at this bar. Um, we'll we'll buy you a beer and we'll talk about what our plan is for for wolves in Colorado and we'll, you know, get you up to speed on how to comment at the next commission meeting, which is the next day. Do they so, do they drink beer? I figured they were like drinking soy lattes Micro-brew. or something stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kombucha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I asked Justin, I said, is anyone else doing this that you're aware of, you know, but on the sportsman side? And he's like, no, no, I'm aware. I said, all right, well, let's do it. And I'll even come out to Denver for it. So, so for the Denver meeting, which is the final meeting, and hopefully maybe we can get a vote there and, you know, maybe this plan will be in place. Um, but so on the 22nd, you have the Denver Commission meeting, which is going to be huge. However, on the 21st, we literally just did this last night, I think, Justin. Um, we're going to have a sportsman's meetup, and it's going to be at a bar. Justin reserved a room there at this, at this bar. It's at the Highland Tavern. Um, that's in Denver. And we're just going to you know build community, talk to each other have some fun and talk about what's going to happen the next day in Denver. And if anybody has any questions about talking points or any questions about the plan, there's going to be members from other organizations there and, you know, ranchers and hunters and you name it. So um, I haven't even actually made this public yet, but it is on the calendar. I threw it up last night. Um, So we're going to start doing the same thing as that. You know, I I think to, to a lot of your point, how, how how.org. Yeah, howl.org, howlforwildlife.org. It's under calendar. And you'll see it. It says sportsman's meetup. Okay. So um, you can also text wolf, the word wolf only, to our number. And that will, if you're already in our system, that'll automatically RSVP you. If you're not, you'll get a link. 
to where you can click the link and, and, and RSVP from there. So um, mm. trying to make it as easy as possible for everybody. And you can text Wolf to 415-965-2265, but all that's going to be blasted out on the social medias and uh, email blasts and all that pretty soon. So, mm. yeah, I think we need to do the same thing. You know, to your point earlier, they, the other side, they, they take over the narrative. They do a great job at reaching out to people. And I don't think we do. Um, They're so well-funded and well-organized. Yeah. And the longer I do this, and, the more I, I bang my head, head against the wall that, that we haven't been. Now, through, you know, organizations like Howl, SCI, Sportsman's Alliance, we're being more proactive than we've ever been. But yep. it takes all of us. And you can't, yep. like we said, you, you can't ju- it can't just be out of sight, out of mind. Like these things affect every one of us. And then you made a great point. Like Arizonans, hey, the wolves are coming for you too. And what are you going to, are you, is it going to be a, well, are, we're going to treat them like coyotes? Like if they're on your property or whatever, you shoot them. Or is the writing on the wall for us to have, now we're going to have to have a wolf management plan. That's the really the, the crappy thing for the border states is this Colorado's decision is now affecting all of them as well. But, now, how do they deal with it, right? So get involved uh, because it does affect all of us. And uh, and we need a united front to to uh, defeat this type of, oh, I just call it anti-wildlife management because it's not management at all. Letting the wolves yes. run free and kill at will like with no type of management plan in place whatsoever is idiotic at best. Um, I don't know if there's anything else uh, on this front so why don't we finish with, uh, I see a nice mule deer uh, rack on your mantle there, Justin. What was the highlight of your of your hunting season? Uh, this year, I harvested my first bull elk with a bow. Nice. Um, in southwest Colorado. Um, it's been a, a lot of years in the making. I've, I've gotten close. And um, that, was, that was great. I got to spend a lot of good quality time with some friends in the woods this year. Got to help a buddy harvest his first elk this year as well um that's probably more rewarding than harvesting my own and uh mm. i know this is kind of cheeky but and, and easy and fun but um went home to maryland this year over christmas and got to fill my dad's freezer with a whitetail buck as well and nice he hasn't had venison in years and he was through the roof awesome, awesome. that's badass and, and charles what about you uh I, I mean i don't know what your highlight was but you told me you just took a nice uh, over-the-counter muley in Arizona. Yeah, I did. That was definitely one of the highlights. I hunted a lot this past year. I mean, I always do, but this past year, I, I went extra. Um, probably He's smiling there. as he says it, so it <laughs> must have been a good year. 70-some <laughs> days. Yeah, I, got, I, I just I did well. I went in different states, did really well in California, which you hate, but I love I love hunting here. I, you know, I don't hate California. I, know, I, just, I, know. I hate what's what because of the I think it's the prettiest state in the country. Really, it has everything. Yeah. I just hate what they've what what's happened to California. Yeah, it definitely has everything. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So the desert, the desert mule deer. That was my first desert mule deer. Um. I was down there hunting coos and javelina and and uh, and mule deer, whatever I could come up with. I just had a over the counter tag, and then I had a a javelina kind of a draw tag for a certain mm-hmm. year but that's not really super hard to get um on the last day 
I think it was day seven or day eight, I stalked every single day. It was incredible. You know, it's different environment and the cactus and everything that's trying to kill you down there. Um, I stalked this buck for seven hours and 43 minutes before, before I got the shot. Now, um, when I say stalking is, yeah, I was trying to keep an eye on him and he would bed with his does and I'd try and move in closer and then I'd sit for hours. But the final sit, he was bedded with one doe, which was great because all the other does had left. Um, and I'm just waiting there. I think I sat on my butt or on my knees or something for three hours. And finally the doe got up and fed where I wanted her to. And then he eventually got up and followed her and came smelled her butt. He was 58 yards away and I just had a perfect shot, smoked him. The wind finally worked out all of that. You know, he mm-hmm. ran about 50 yards and fell over and he's a, he's a dandy, just the absolute dandy buck so yeah that was uh that was definitely one of the one of the cool ones probably my other one that was special was a i got a giant bear in california on a on a solo hunt which was something i really wanted to uh accomplish is just get a big mature boar and mm-hmm. uh that wasn't that was amazing that was you know this is that i love hunting more than anything so that's why i got a big smile on my face I find it almost amazing that you can still hunt bear in California, to be frank. Yeah, we might even actually improve on those bear hunting opportunities with the new bear management plan that's coming out. Um, awesome. We probably have more bear in, than any other state um, in the lower, you know, 48. Uh, they're saying we might, it's at minimum 35,000, maximum 65,000. Golly. <laughs> Which yeah. is insane. So if it is in those higher numbers, they are, we actually have a pretty hunting friendly commission right now, being that it's California. And, um, I think they're open to additional opportunities. So we'll, we'll get to that. We're definitely working on that. Can we take the uh, bobcat off of the California endangered species list? That's coming back around, I think next year. Um, Mm -hmm. So of all the stupid things I've seen in 15 yeah. years of doing this, th- th- doing this, th- that's one of the dumbest ones. Like we're going to protect the bob. Like, why don't we just protect coyotes too? Well, they're, they, they wanted a revised management plan on the Bobcat thing, which is a tactic that that's used with. Yeah. But in 2012, basically. they banned the hound hunting for bear and Bobcat. And then, oh yeah, I see. And then it was like, uh, okay, well, what's the next progression? And this is why it's so important. This is a great example. Mm, why it's yeah. so important to stop these things at the beginning because they're 100%. like, oh yeah, we banned hounds now. Okay, let's give it five or six years. Now let's yeah. just ban it all together. It's a tough. It's an uphill battle. I mean, I wish we were around back then, but we weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, all we can do is start. All we can do is you know what we can do today and tomorrow. Right. You know, the, the past is, it's an uphill battle, but you know, I think we can regain the narrative. I really do. I, I really think we have the most people and the most money, but we're not organized. Yeah. So yeah. that's the goal. Right on. Right on. Well, Hey, give us your, uh, give us where folks can find Howell. Howellforwildlife.org. Uh, everything else, as far as social media, it starts on Instagram and spreads it. It's just a share from there, but uh, Instagram is Hall underscore org. Awesome. Well, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Uh, thanks for the uh, time today, Charles, Justin, nice meeting you as well. 
And I hope that uh, we get this thing passed with a management plan in place for all of us. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time today. All right. Y'all take it easy. Thanks. So there you have it. How for Wildlife's Charles Whitwam and the Minturn Anglers, Justin Nolan. Uh, thanks to both of them for jumping on this episode of Campfire Conversations, that bonus content. We try to get out as frequently as possible. Uh, and other news, why the hell isn't somebody shot down that damn Chinese spy balloon? Shit wouldn't have happened under Trump, whether you like it or not. That's the truth. Apparently, it's over Montana right now. I'm sure all the uh, BHA boys could break out those 6-5 Creedmoors and blast that mf out of the sky. Let's do it. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith. Peace out. Mahalo. Adios. Bye-bye. America.